0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Bachman. If you've been listening to these programs on healthcare and health insurance changes and recommendations to create a free market system, we welcome you back. If you're new to the program you've just been listening uh, last recent weeks to our descriptions on how we can change and create a free market system, or how other programs are out there, like the Republican Study Committee that we discussed last week, Uh, we welcome you as a new listener to this program. we want to talk about today is even a more current initiative to create a private free market system. There are actually two issues I want to talk about today in particular. One started in June 24th, 2019, so less than six months old. But it's really important. It lays down the foundation. It shows that President Trump is trying to create a private free market system with executive orders. In fact, it's an executive order on improving price and quality transparency in the American healthcare system and to put patients first. Now, for those listening that um, may not be as familiar with how insurance services are priced, Let's start with hospital systems, because this is going to get into the details of how to really create a system that's transparent. You can't have a free market system without real transparency and costs. How in the world could you have a service like auto repair? If you have no idea when you take your car in for repair, how much is going to cost or even a reasonable estimate? So you really can't have A private free market system without transparency on costs as a major starting point. Of course, next one's the quality of care. And what kind of quality of care are you going to get? Who reviews that? Who publishes that? Who makes comparisons? You can only find about quality as a consumer after the fact? Well, no. You look for things like, again, using automobiles as an example. You look at various reports, consumer reports all sorts of auto industry surveys that are done on which cars provide the best resale value on which cars require the least amount of servicing. As a consumer, you get that information. You got the price of services and the price of cars when you bought it. And then you find out also about the quality before you buy it. And people kind of match those things up. So, we have to bring that to health care if we have any expectation of having a private free market system. So before I get into the president's executive order and then the follow up on what's actually come out in some of the rulemaking, I will talk about all that before this hour is up. But let me give you an example that's pretty easy to understand as a consumer. Hospitals have charges on the books. They know what they say things ought to char- be costing, and costing. what they ought to charge individuals, what they ought to charge insurance companies. The technical term for it is it's a charge master. Every hospital has it. For every code, every service that they would provide, there is a designated code, and that code has a price attached to it. Now, that price is not has no reflection on what their actual costs are of providing that service, it's more or less a made-up number. In fact, back in the 1990s, I used to negotiate price reductions for hospital services for many of my clients when I was a healthcare consultant. And it would be very typical that that charge master is what we would base a reduction of costs on. And we would many times get five, at most 10% reduction over those charge masters. But you know, when you get a discount over something that the other side gets to set, all they do is raise the price so that that five or 10% discount is absorbed by just having a higher price in their charge master so that the consumer, the insurance company, the employer who may be providing that discount negotiation process that they're just having to pay the same thing that they would otherwise pay before the discount. Well, it's gotten even worse today. Believe it or not, the discounts offered off of charge masters are 80, 90% or more. It's ridiculous. What's happened is hospitals have artificially jacked up those charge master costs, to a very unrealistic level. So it's not a surprise if many of you look at something that you get after a hospital service, typically referred to as an EOB or an explanation of benefits, that you'll see a charge on there that the hospital makes, and then you'll see the negotiated rate that your insurance company has made for that same service. And it's not a surprise if that negotiated rate, Is 10% of what the hospital says it wanted to charge. Now, why would a hospital do that? Well, I think for two purposes. One, it sounds great. We'll give you 80% off of our charge master costs. But the other part of it is that you got to remember hospitals are not for profit entities for the most part. Yes, there are some for profit hospital systems out there, but many, if not the majority, I don't have the exact numbers are not-for-profit. So when they provide services to the uninsured that are not reimbursed, what are they saying as an amount of service that they're providing for the community on a unreimbursed level? How do they justify their not-for-profit status? Well, they add up all these artificially high charge master amounts And say, we're providing the community with multi-million dollars of free services. But the reality is they're not. They're not providing multi-million dollars. They're providing a fraction of that. And the real problem is that people who are truly uninsured for whatever reason, what bill do they get? Do they get a discounted rate? Do they get some average rate? Are they given a break? Of course not. What the uninsured get is that charge master cost. They're the only people, the people in most need of a lower appropriately set rate. They're the only ones who are asked to pay this unreasonable charge master level. It's outrageous. Many people have sued hospitals over this, claiming they're not providing the community benefits that they claim they are in order to maintain a not-for-profit status. And I think there's a lot of reality to that. Hospitals like to say they're providing all this service, but they're really not. So how do you create even competition among insurance companies when the real key is getting this negotiated rate? How does a new startup company get that same negotiated rate? How do they even know How much is being discounted? The reality is they don't, which means that the insurance companies, because of these historical networks of providers that they've set up with discounts, have a tremendous advantage to keep other companies out. It helps to create their monopolistic hold on a given community. And hospitals themselves are trying to gather up a level of power by connecting with each other, of consolidating into large mega hospital systems across entire regions so that the insurance companies don't have the leverage to make them discount rates. So it's kind of a game that's being played right now. The insurance companies say they've got these great discounts. Nobody else can duplicate them. And as a consequence, they can keep out competition. And the hospitals are playing the game on their side. It's kind of like a game of checkers or chess. While the insurance companies are getting bigger and bigger and consolidating, the healthcare providers are getting bigger and bigger and consolidating so they can't be forced to give as big a discount as the insurance companies would want. And so where's that leave the consumer? It leaves the consumer out of the picture. They're just a pawn in this chess game, this power game that's being played with the insurance companies and with the providers of care. So, this whole idea of transparency is absolutely critical. Now, let me say one other word about this idea of transparency. I think we're all beginning to understand what it is that it's open, it's accessible. People know what the costs are for services, if there's packaging of services, what the cost of the package is for the purposes of being able to compare. Because if you can't compare price and you can't compare quality, because quality in healthcare is also very difficult to identify. Is it the professionalism of which the service is being provided? Is it the outcome Is it the recognition that some providers might have riskier patients or higher, more difficult patients to deal with? So is it risk-adjusted as a terminology in order to make the comparison? Is it that the doctor is giving good bedside, has good bedside manners? Are they listening to the patient? Are they trying to deal with the illness or the trauma that's going on in somebody's life that's a medical condition? Is that quality? Is quality the way you're being treated at the hospital? Are you able to see your doctor and actually get doctor's reports explained in English? Is a nurse able to get around and help you when you need it, or is a nurse out there doing coding for reimbursements? Is a nurse out there dealing with multiple patients and really doesn't respond rapidly when a patient is clicking their button and saying, I need some help? Is a nurse coming in at night being sure that the uh, bedspreads are pulled up to keep a patient warm, or if a patient is hot, that they're in there to give them some ice or a drink, help them go to the bathroom in the middle of the night if not otherwise able to. What is the quality of service in the hospital system? We tend to look at outcomes, but there's so many other things. And patients would respond just like they do if you look online about a cruise or a play or a product where you can get comments from users, from people who have been there before. can tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly about the service they're getting. So the idea of transparency is critical. But I would rephrase the word transparency. While we're all beginning to understand maybe a little bit more about what it is, even the general public, my comment would be that insurance companies and hospital systems for years have been arguing that Transparency also means proprietary information. I can't disclose that because it's a proprietary contract with prices that have been negotiated between the hospital and the insurance company, and it shouldn't be disclosed. It's proprietary. Well, I would turn that around and say you can call it whatever you want, but a patient has a right to know what those costs are. The public has a right to know what those costs are so they can make comparisons to other hospitals, to other providers of services. Without that, you can't have a free market. So that's what this session is all about. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're about to run out of time right now. Let's go to commercial. Let's come back in a few minutes and we'll get into what the president has done and what actions the uh, Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services have done to actually improve Transparency in our healthcare system. We'll be right back. This is Ron Bachman at Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio.
0: This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion? on america's web radio just email gm at com and we'll get back to you thank you get your pen and paper ready if there is a move in your near future i'm here to tell you that the folks i used and now recommend Around-Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around-Town Movers. Call them.
2: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following.
1: Welcome back to America's Web Radio. You're listening to Healthcare Insight. My name is Ron Bachman. We've been talking about a number of issues in creating a free market system. We've been talking about the Republican Study Committee in past weeks. And today we'll continue the discussion in this segment of the program on how President Trump has done some executive orders uh, what they are what they mean to create greater transparency in the market and to really lay a great foundation for a private free market system that increases competition, increases quality of care, and most importantly builds on how individuals in the marketplace, how patients in the marketplace, how you and me can actually understand what the costs are for the services, uh, if services are packaged, what those costs are, and to better understand the level of discounting that goes on in the marketplace today and how that is not really working towards the benefit of consumers. We talked last time about Charge Masters and discounts off of Charge Masters. Well, let me give you a perfect example in my own life. I've got some bills in front of me that are from United Healthcare, uh, family bills for 2019 through the end of September. And let me give you an example of how crazy the pricing system is and why these Trump initiatives of transparency and information for making better decisions as patients is so important. On the bill I'm looking at in front of me, it says the amount providers have billed for the the plan. So these are the charge masters. These are what hospitals say people ought to pay for. This is what people who don't have insurance would have to pay. And in this particular summary of nine months in 2019, show the amount providers have billed the plan as $10,528.16. Basically $10,500. Now that's what they billed how much has the plan approved? The plan has approved $1,537.97. So basically 15% of what the hospital bill was is what the insurance company accepted and approved. In this particular case, the plan share was about $1,300. And my share as a consumer $240 now think about how ridiculous that is that the hospital says I should pay $10,500 the insurance company says no 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 we're only going to pay $1,500 the insurance coverage pays $1,300 and I get to pay about $250 and everything's accepted. Everybody's happy. Everybody goes on. The hospitals continue to build new wings, they add new cancer centers, they add new heart centers, uh, spinal centers, you name it. The hospital continues to expand and improve. Tax-free entities that continue to make an enormous amount of money. You know, the hospitals in the past, decades ago, used to be the centers that helped keep the community healthy and productive get people back to work. They were a critical part of the community to help support the businesses and the population out there. But today, the hospitals are just another big business that's actually soaking up a lot of capital that could otherwise be put to better use in creating products and services. I don't really think they think of themselves as being part of the community anymore. And looking at those build numbers, I just read out to you. $10,500 for the services that ultimately they accepted $1,500 for? How crazy is that? If I was uninsured, instead of having to pay $240, I'd be on the hook for $10,500. And they wonder why people are going bankrupt? People who don't have insurance are so... (sighs) so stressed by the idea that they have to have insurance because without insurance, the difference here is enormous. Now, again, why do hospitals do this? Why is their charge master so much higher that they're willing to accept 15% of it? Well, I get back to the argument that I made in my last segment. What's going on here is that when the hospital is asked to justify its nonprofit status, how much did it do for the community? They would claim that they gave out services worth $10,500. They didn't. That's not their underlying cost. Nobody's ever figured out what their underlying cost is. Hospitals don't do that. But obviously, they're making money to be able to expand themselves, to bring in new doctors, to do research, to have their own foundation, to build more buildings at 15% of what the charge master is. That's a problem that has to be solved. And that's what this executive order does. Now, let's look finally at the executive order. The executive order is called Executive Order on Improving Price and Quality Transparency in American Healthcare to Put Patients First. Pretty good title. And it's what the Trump administration is trying to do to change the marketplace. So, these are the words in the executive order, and it was issued on June 24th, 2019. Now, after we go through some of this so we better understand what the executive order is, we'll find out what, in fact, happened after that. Now that we're five, six months later, let's find out what happened after the executive order. But let's take a minute and see what the executive order really is. Well, it states the purpose this is from the Trump administration. It says, my administration seeks to enhance the ability of patients to choose the health care that is best for them. To make fully informed decisions about their health care, patients must know the price and the quality of a good or service in advance. That's just natural to any kind of a private free market. Think about any other free market retail system retail pricing of goods and services. Opaque pricing structures may benefit powerful special interest groups, such as large hospital systems and insurance companies, but they generally leave patients and taxpayers worse off than would a more transparent system. It's exactly what we've been saying so far in this program, that the people who really benefit are the big hospitals and big insurance companies And the focus is not on the patient. This executive order brings the patient into the system and requires hospitals and insurance companies to do things that they just don't really want to do. So, in particular, the report describes the characteristics of the most effective price transparency efforts. They distinguish between the charges that providers bill and the rates negotiated between the payers and the providers. And they give patients more incentives to seek information about the price of healthcare services. And they provide useful comparisons for what this executive order calls and what the ultimate regulations call for shoppable services. <clears throat> now, what are shoppable services? These are common services provided by multiple providers through the market which patients can research and compare before making informed choices based on price and quality. So the hospitals are going to have to produce, the doctors are going to have to produce prices on shoppable services. Shoppable services make up a significant share of the healthcare market, which means that increasing transparency transparency among these services will have a broad effect on increasing competition and in the healthcare system as a whole. So that's the key. How do we get prices? Maybe not on everything to start with. Maybe not on every possible service in that charge master that hospitals keep that we've talked about being priced at an exorbitant level, totally unrelated to the actual cost of providing the service. The categories of the medical cases requiring patient care, 73% of the 100 highest spending categories were determined to be shoppable, so it's a significant part of the services that we want as an inpatient in a hospital. Among the categories of medical cases requiring outpatient care, 90% of the 300 highest spending categories were also considered shoppable. Another study demonstrated that the ability of patients to price shop imaging services like MRIs, a particularly fungible and shoppable set of healthcare services was associated with a per-service savings of up to 19%. So people really could shop. If they go online like any other service, like any other cruise going on Amazon, going on eBay, going on any of the online services to buy any kind of a product. You can see where there's different prices by different outlets. Well, in this case, they're saying that if people could actually shop healthcare, the studies show they could save at least 19%. That's before those service providers realize that they are now in a new world of competition where they need to take a look at their pricing and begin a competitive basis of lowering prices to attract customers. There's nothing like losing a customer to create free market changes by the management of that company. You know, many years ago there was a TV commercial, some of you may remember, where the boss comes into the conference room and he's got all his executives sitting around it. And he talks about having lost a major client and he gives airline tickets to everybody and says, go and talk to your client, go and talk to your client, explain what's going on, see what they need, see what kind of products or services, what kind of innovations do they need? And then they all look at him after getting their tickets and they say, okay, boss, what are you going to do? And he pulls out his airline ticket. He says, I'm going back to that customer we lost to see if we can't convince them to come back. That's the way change is made in normal business practices, and that's what needs to be brought to the healthcare marketplace. And this executive order of the president really does that. There's got to be meaningful price and quality information more broadly available to more Americans, which will protect patients and increase competition, increase innovation, and increase value in the healthcare system so that patients can make the difference. This is an enormous change, and really we haven't heard about it much. It was an executive order done last summer, and now regulations are coming out. And that's what we want to talk about next. We want to talk about the regulations and really what all this means to each one of us listening in on this conversation Everybody out there is going to have to go to a doctor or a hospital, and this kind of a change is a real game changer. It's going to help patients. It's going to help us get better pricing. It's going to get better access to care that you really need, and you're going to know what things actually cost. Well, let's take a break again, and we'll come back and look at the final regulations and have further discussion on this as we continue in this hour on Healthcare Insight. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
2: Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to Healthcare Insight. In this hour, we're talking about President Trump's executive order on creating price transparency in the healthcare marketplace. That really is a game changer, a major change in the requirements of what the providers of healthcare services, both inpatient and outpatient, are going to have to do. Now, all this takes a little time to actually get implemented, but let's see what they're demanding. Not asking, not suggesting, but that the federal government, under the Trump executive order, is going to be demanding of the healthcare providers. Well, let's talk about informing patients about actual prices. The executive order says that within 60 days of the date of this order, this order was in June, remember, within 60 days of the order, the Secretary of Health and Human Services shall propose a regulation consistent with applicable law to require hospitals to publicly post standard charge information, including charges and information based on negotiated rates and for common or shoppable items and services. So this says if they got a charge master, they got to publish that. But they have to go further. They have to post negotiated rates. And hospitals are really resistant to this because they know that they have different negotiated rates with different insurance carriers. So it's really going to help people decide which insurance carrier they want to go with and should also allow new competition to rise up in the marketplace New companies, they may be regional insurance companies, they may be more localized than some of the big nationals that exist today, but hospitals can't make special deals with certain insurance companies that really drive more patients and more power to big insurance companies. So let's see what else they require in this executive order. Within 90 days of the date of this order, Secretaries of Health and Human Services and the Treasury and Labor shall issue an advance notice of proposed rulemaking consistent with applicable law, soliciting comment on a proposal to require health providers, health insurance companies, and self-insured group health plans to provide or facilitate access to information about expected out-of-pocket costs for items and services to patients before they receive care. So this step goes the next level. It says not only do hospitals and doctors need to post prices, but the insurance companies and self-insured plans need to be able to tell individuals what their copayment and deductible costs are going to be. There has to be a way that you and I as patients not only know what the overall cost is, much of which is going to be borne by the insurance company or our employer, but we know what our costs are. We need to know what our share of those charges are going to be. Next, the executive order says, Within 180 days of the date of the order, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, in consultation with the Attorney General and the Federal Trade Commission, shall issue a report describing the manner in which the federal government or the private sector are impeding health care pricing. What about some other issues that are going on here? What about establishing some quality information? Well, the executive order covers a lot of different things about empowering patients and enhancing control over the health care resources. The executive order says that within 180 days of the day of this, war, the tr- Secretary of Treasury to the extent consistent with law, shall propose regulations to treat expenses related to certain types of arrangements, potentially including direct primary care arrangements and health sharing ministries as eligible medical expenses. That's a real big one there. That brings in real competition. Many of you out there may be using a health care sharing ministry. Under current law, that is not considered appropriate insurance, because it's not. You're not paying a premium up front. What you're doing is sharing in the costs of all the members of that ministry program after the fact. People submit claims, and then sort of a shared bill is sent out. So it's like a premium after the fact instead of before uh, claims are occurred. But it's a group of people that get together and share. And there are tens, hundreds of thousands of people who are participating in the healthcare-sharing ministries. Also, this idea of expanding direct primary care is an important initiative so that people who want a high-deductible, lower-cost plan say, I want my doctor, I want my primary care for myself and my family to take care of us. And you can cut a special deal with your primary care doctor. He may or may not be in the healthcare system. But under that approach, that kind of packaging, uh, they'd be in the deductible anyway. So it's a great way to not only increase uh, access to information, but this executive order goes beyond that and tries to promote additional competition within the marketplace. Another area that the executive order touches on is that within 180 days, By the date of the order, the Secretary of Treasury, to the extent consistent with law, shall issue guidance to increase the amount of funds that can carry over without penalty at the end of the year for flexible spending arrangements, or FSAs. Again, the executive order is really cutting in to some of the issues and helping to change the marketplace and provide the consumer, the patient, with more information with more options and more choices, and be able to give that kind of empowerment through personal care accounts, like flexible spending arrangements, which today there's a limited amount that get carried over. But this is saying, let's see if we can expand that. The administration has also been supportive in promoting the idea of health savings accounts, not just flexible spending accounts, but in this particular segment of the executive order, they talk about how can we expand and increase the flexibility and appropriateness of using flexible spending accounts. So there are a lot of things in this executive order. Let's, uh, let me read a couple other sections. In the last um, segment, we're going to talk about the final rulings that are coming out from these executive orders. So you can see that in this process, the administration is not being timid. They are pushing ahead. They are requiring things that are, in many ways, politically sensitive, having hospitals produce prices. The lobbying interests from the hospitals, from the physician groups, has got to be enormous in trying to prevent this. But the Trump administration has been focusing on the patient, not on the lobbyists. And if anybody questioned whether or not things have changed in Washington, This executive order and the final regulations that have been sent out just last week ought to give everybody pause for thought if they don't believe that things have changed in Washington. That this administration is not beholden to special interest groups. This administration is not pushing things that would help industry as much as they are interested in the consumer. They're interested in things that you and I have to deal with every day. Now, they haven't been able to get all the Republicans in Congress, and especially with Democrats in control of the House of Representatives, they have not been able to get real health care reform. But if this executive order is any indication as to how much emphasis the administration is putting on real people in real situations, people who are in need of health care, People are in need of health insurance to finance any health care needs that they either have or were likely to have to remove the concern and the stress and the strain that people have if they're not insured. These kinds of orders are enormous game changers. Do not underestimate the potential power of what is about to happen in the health care market without repeal and replace of Obamacare. Since that seems to be off the table in this politically charged environment and the next year we're moving into a election year, very little ultimately gets done in election year. We're going to be having a big argument about what happens post-Obamacare, whether it's single payer system, whether it's Medicare for all, or whether it's some sort of a free market reform. That's going to be a big debate. It's probably going to be a voting issue For a big segment of the American population, I think that the election is going to hinge in that group on whether the Republicans can actually put together a health reform package that actually meets the needs of individuals. And if this executive order is any indication of what we could do, of where the heart is of this administration, um, we could really... Make some great inroads after the next election if Republicans are elected to office and the president is able to push through the ideas that the people who are helping him, advising him, are suggesting in this executive order. And the administration executives in the cabinet members, in HHS, in Treasury, Department of Labor, are all getting together and pushing forward these ideas that are in the executive order we could have a really major change in creating a private free market. I hope that somebody along the way in this administration uh, will listen to the podcast. Uh, I've sent out uh, the book on MAGA health to try to put some ideas on the table. Uh, Hopefully some of them get incorporated and ingrained in some of the thinking. I know personally that HHS has been looking for states to act as laboratories and implement some of the ideas that we put into MAGA Health. And so we'll see where that goes. But I think this program and the materials that have uh, been the uh, core of the first nine weeks that are on podcasts on America's Web Radio that people can listen to, if the proper people listen to those, we can actually make a big difference. Well, time goes by fast on this segment. Let's take a break. Let's come back and we'll actually get into the final regulations that were just out last week. I think you're going to find it very interesting, very exciting that, in fact, the Health and Human Services Secretary and others have actually followed through on what the administration said that they need to do in these executive orders. We'll be right back. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. You're listening to uh, Ron Bachman, and this program is Healthcare Insight. We're talking about President Trump's executive order on increasing competition and price transparency in the healthcare marketplace. We've been talking about the value of it. We've gone through some of the specifics on the um, executive order. Now, let's see what's happened after that, because just recently, the regulations have come out, and let's talk about what that means. headline of the article I'm looking at right now says, The Trump administration announces historic price transparency requirements to increase competition and lower health care costs for all Americans. As directed by President Trump's executive order, which we've talked about, on improving price and quality transparency in American health care, Today, the Department of Health and Human Services, now this is actually November 14th, I believe. So they announced the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, as many of you uh, know the organization, that part of the, the government, is issuing two rules that take historic steps to increase price transparency to empower patients and increase competition among all hospitals, group health plans, and health insurance issuers in the individual and group markets. One of the rules is referred to as price transparency requirements for hospitals to make them publish standard charges, and that's in this final ruling. The second rule is the transparency in coverage proposed rule. Both the final and proposed rules require that pricing information be made publicly available. Now, the secretary of HHS is a fellow named Alex Azar. Alex Azar comments on these final rules as along these lines. The Trump administration has promised American people A plus health care transparency. But right now, our system probably deserves an F on transparency. President Trump is going to change that with what will be revolutionary changes for our healthcare system. Today's transparency announcement may be more significant change, a more significant change to American healthcare markets than any other single thing we've done by shining light on the costs of our shadowy system and finally putting American patients in control. You know, most politicians will overstate things. They'll pat themselves on the back. They'll talk about great initiatives that are going on. In this particular case, as somebody who worked in the healthcare system 45 to 50 years in various capacities, as an actuary by background, a technician and a consultant ultimately to just about every segment of the insurance marketplace, I'm telling you, this is a major game changer that most people don't even know is happening. Consistent with the executive order on price and quality transparency, the Trump administration is taking action toward making sure that insured and uninsured Americans alike have the information necessary to get an accurate estimate of the cost of health care services they are seeking before they receive care. Now, the major administrator of CMS or the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services is quoted as saying this, under the status quo, health care prices are about as clear as mud to patients. Thanks to President Trump's vision and leadership, we are throwing open the shutters and bringing to light the price, care, the, the price of care for American consumers. Kept secret, these prices are simply dollar amounts on a ledger. Disclosed, they deliver fuel to the engines of competition among hospitals and insurers. This final rule... And the proposed rule will bring forth the transparency we need to finally begin reducing overall health care costs. So let's talk about the final ruling. If finalized, and pretty much that's a done deal. We're going to look for comments. The lobbyists will be all over this. Everybody will be trying to make some changes. But the direction is clear. There may be some variation on the edges. There may be none, but there will be some input, and that's the way the system works. So if finalized, the proposed transparency and coverage rule would require health plans to do several things, and here's what they're going to be required to do. One, to give customers real-time personalized access to cost-sharing information, including an estimate of their cost-sharing liability for all covered health care items and services through an online tool that most group health plans and health insurers would be required to make available to all of their members and in paper form at the consumer's request. This requirement would empower consumers to shop and compare prices between specific providers before receive, receiving care. So it has to be available, it has to be online, it has to be available in paper if needed, but the real key is getting it online so that people can see prices and make comparisons. The second requirement of this new regulation that's out is disclose on a public website the negotiated rates for in-network providers and allowed amounts paid for out-of-network providers. So you no longer can keep all this hidden. It can no longer be something that is behind the shades that insurance companies and hospital systems can say that's proprietary. The public doesn't have a right to know because my competition will know what my price relationships are with these providers. No, that's only allowed us to establish a marketplace that concentrates power in these big insurance companies that have the ability to negotiate lower rates and with hospitals that continue to consolidate to the detriment of the consumer. The insurance companies get bigger, the hospital systems get bigger, and it's very difficult for any new entrant, new competition to enter the marketplace. We all know that real change, real revolutions in any market occur from the outside. The existing status quo providers, they just want the same old, same old, because they've established themselves in a marketplace, they've dominated the marketplace, and they want to keep competition out. They do that by proprietary information that does no benefit for the consumer. So they have to provide public website on a public website the negotiated rates. Making this information available available to the public is intended to one, drive innovation, two support informed price conscious decision making, and three, promote competition in the healthcare industry, making this information publicly available helps the consumer, but more importantly, creates new opportunities for researchers, employers, and other developers to build new tools to help consumers. In other words, with this information, you'll have apps on your phone, you'll have studies and research, you'll have journalistic reports about the differences and cost and quality among providers. There'll be much more public oversight. You know, too many hospitals, doctors, healthcare service providers of various ways and shapes and means make their living off of their brand. Maybe they've got great PR. They got great marketing services. They got great advertisements on TV. But I've seen it myself. I've seen some of the inside data. On mortality rates, on infection rates, <clears throat> on costs of services, comparing hospitals. Some of that's been available, but you have to have special access and you have to have special sources. I've been fortunate enough to see that and to study some of that. And I can tell you that companies that have the brand aren't necessarily the best. I can tell you that hospital systems that have a great brand are not necessarily the best places to get care, and I can tell you across all hospitals that patients going into a hospital have to be very careful these days because of the viruses that are available that are have a very difficult time being treated. You need to go in a hospital that is clean, that the doctors and nurses are sanitizing themselves. That. Visitors are very carefully monitored and sanitize themselves. Hospitals are not very healthy places to go. So these changes are significant. they game changers. The proposed rule would also encourage health insurance issuers, in other words, the insurance companies, to offer new or different plan designs that incentivize consumers to shop for services from lower cost, higher value providers, By allowing insurers to take credit for shared savings, the idea here is that if patients do the right thing, if they shop and get better prices, it's their determination based upon plan designs that the shared savings that occurs can be shared back to the patient, whether it's putting more money into an HSA account, whether it's lowering their deductibles, whether it's adding an additional benefit, whatever that is, it's critical that the patients participate in what they're calling shared savings. I use that term throughout the Maya health description. Incentives and rewards are enormously important in changing behaviors. We are typically Americans. Good health is not good enough. We need to be incentivized to do the right thing. If getting better health was good enough, we wouldn't have as many smokers remaining in this country, and we wouldn't have as many people with diabetes and prediabetes. Incentives are part of our DNA in this country, and that's what we ought to be able to do in healthcare to encourage uh, more shopping, more choices that are good for us, help people help themselves. But when they do, incentivize and reinforce those good behaviors. Uh, encourage those good behaviors and financial rewards or non-financial rewards in various ways really will help do that and change behaviors. It is the behaviors that we need to change of the consumers. Consumers want to change. They need the information. And this executive order is going to open up a whole new world for patients to get the information they need. It's going to open up a whole new world for the hospitals who have to post their prices and become competitive. It's gonna open up a whole new world for insurance companies that have to be responsive to the consumer and post information on their website and tell people what their actual costs are going to be. We have not had that kind of a system in the past. This is a game changer. There is uh, a a time for the uh, information to be analyzed, for the market to change, for the insurance industry. But the effective date that I see here on the executive order's uh, follow-up, these um, um, final rulings, it says, in response to comments, CMS is extending the effective date to January 1st, 2021, to ensure hospital compliance with these regulations. So this is upon us. This is new. It's different. And it is something to look forward to. And I'm so excited about what the president is doing in healthcare. The next step: repeal and replace Obamacare and replace it with real free market solutions. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to our discussions as we continue on Healthcare Insight to talk about what's going on in the marketplace and the major changes that are going to be affecting everybody's life out there. So join us again. Thank you for listening in. This is Ron Bachman on America's Web Radio. And the program you've been listening to is Healthcare Insight. See you next week.
0: You're listening to America's
1: Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.